Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter, and every week I get closer to messing that intro up. I'm it's on weird. Zoom with Eli McCann. <laughs> Hi, Eli. It's, hi. It's weird that you're getting worse at it. I know. I'm getting worse at a lot of things. Well, we all are. That's aging. That's what aging is. <laughs> aging in 2020. Yeah. Uh, Eli, what have you been watching? Okay. Are you ready for this? <clears throat> oh, boy. I set myself down and watched myself the first episode of the Saved by the Bell reboot. Oh, man. How was it? Okay. I was not expecting to come to this podcast today and say the things that I'm about to say. I want you to know I am more surprised than you are. It's like really good. What? No, it's like, not. It is, is it the same actors? Okay. So listen, this is what it is. It's, it takes place in present day. It's back at Bayside High, but now all of like the, the former people who were in the original show, obviously they're all like in their forties now. And like Zach is the governor of California. A couple of them, <laughs> like one of the AC Slater is like the football coach at the school. Um, Jesse Spano is like the school counselor. So like they all have like these jobs and they're all kind of around, but so I thought the show was going to be just like another iteration of the same thing that we saw in the nineties, which like, I have a lot of nostalgia wrapped around that, but it's a terrible show. Like yeah. if you tried to watch it now, like you would not find it funny, but this is like an actual smart comedy. And the show itself is kind of the butt of a lot of the jokes. So like, they're all in on it. And, and sort of the premise of the show is like, Oh, that show we made in the nineties is horrible. And so it's like very winky. Um, it has a lot of like really smart jokes about like privilege and what privilege looks like and how like all these kids that go to Bayside High are like come from like these rich families and they don't know what it's like to not experience wealth or whatever else. And um, I like I, it started and I was like, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible. But like about halfway through, I was like, this is actually really smart writing. And I on it, it's not a great show. Like, I, okay. I'm, not, I'm not pitching you like, and this is the next big thing. I just thought it was going to be absolutely terrible. And I found the writing to be actually pretty clever. Where are you watching it? So you can, it's on Peacock. It's oh, like the, okay. the NBC app. It's, you can watch it for free. Like, I just created a quick account and it like popped up. So like, I recommend it, especially if you were, you know, if you grew up on Saved by the Bell, at least just go watch the first episode. It's kind of interesting to see how everybody has aged. Obviously, Mario Lopez, like, aged very well. Everybody else, not so much. Um, But it's fun. Like, and the jokes are, are pretty good. And like I said, the whole point of the show is to make fun of Saved by the Bell. And they do it pretty well. So um, I would recommend checking it out. That's about it for me besides what we're going to talk about today. What have you been watching? Um, So I I watched Hillbilly Elegy. Yes, tell me. (laughs) It's it's not troll too bad where you're like, wow, I am enjoying this because it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. I I actually think Amy Adams gives a good performance in it, which makes it more tragic because it's wasted on a movie 
that is for nobody. This who is this movie for? Like it's been touted as this movie explains Trump voters and why rural Americans believe the things they do. It doesn't explore that at all. Like not one iota about like political beliefs among people who live in Appalachia. Their house, it's supposed to be like this poor house and the wrong side of town, that house would be worth like $800,000 in Salt Lake City. Like it's, I think you described it best. It's like a story, rich people trying to tell a story about poor people and having no idea how poor people actually live. We, I watched, you know, I watched it with Skylar and Skylar like grew up at various times where his family was like legitimately poor Yeah, and we were watching it and about halfway through Skylar was like, when do they become poor? Because it had been pitched to us like, oh, this is a story about a poor family. And they're never like actually poor. Like the only evidence of it is that he can't pay out of pocket for Yale Law School, which is like, well, that's pretty much everybody. So yeah. I, I think to answer your question, like who is this for? I think it's just for rich conservative people. Like I can't imagine any other audience because mm. it's not for poor people. Because I think- Poor people across the spectrum would probably watch this and be like, this is not a depiction of what life is like for us. It's not for liberal people because that based on what I'm seeing on Twitter, I think it may be just like conservative rich people. Yeah, it's it's a very weird movie. Like the whole, spoiler alert, but the whole thing is J.D. Vance leading up to this interview at a law firm mixed with flashbacks of his childhood with an addict mother and it culminates in him doing the interview but then you don't even find out if he got the job like it's just a very weirdly constructed movie poorly written glenn close looks like a birthday party (laughs) clown in it like it's too much I just like, come on, let's give Amy Adams some good roles. She doesn't need to do this garbage. I think it may have been a better film if it had been pitched and written as the the experience of somebody who grew up with a mom who struggled with mental illness and addiction, rather than this is what it's like growing up poor and like entering (laughs) the world of wealth. If it had been written from that perspective, I think it's a better story and it's not quite as preachy. But that said, even just like the writing within what they decided it it was going to be is really bad. Like the dialogue between characters is like no human being has ever spoken this way to another human being, like throughout the film. And I agree. I think Amy Adams is pretty good in it. The parts, what makes her not great, though, is the lines that she's saying are so ridiculous half the time. And so I don't know. I you, I can't recommend that movie to anybody. No, it's not good. Critics hate it. I, I just, I don't know the viewer who would finish that and be like, wow, I really learned something from that. Like, it doesn't even really show how he got into loss. Anyway, I could go on and on about the problems of this movie, but it's boring. So let's move on. Uh, we've also been watching The Undoing on HBO starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. It's a... Well, not true crime because it's not true, but it's a murder mystery from David E. Kelly, who did Big Little Lies. 
And as you know, Nicole Kidman was in Big Little Lies. And I really think, I truly believe he wanted to make a season of Big Little Lies without Reese Witherspoon. So he like wrote the show, cast Nicole Kidman. He's like, oh, we're doing it in New York. It's not California, but like same story, like rich people whose kids are in private school. There's a murder. There's a whole bunch of whodunit stuff. It's well done. It would be a better movie than a series. Oh, interesting. It's just, it's six episodes long and it's just, they just draw stuff out. It's like when you're writing an essay and you're like, Charles Dickens wrote, and in writing this, what he wrote was, and then he wrote, you know, like there's just a lot of like really drawing stuff out that doesn't need to be drawn out. It would be a really cool, tight, fun movie, but it's a little long. We're going to watch the finale tonight. So, you know, I, I know this is, of not a popular take, but I actually had that same feeling about the first season of Big Little Lies. I felt like it should have been a movie and not a series because I got really bored through the whole middle part and was like, why am I watching this soap opera? And then when it came together at the end, I was like, oh, that was a really clever story. I think for me, that would have been way more effective if they had put it all within two hours. But I mean, uh, and it, they added a bunch of nonsense to that first season that wasn't in the book. So yeah, just make it a movie. People can handle a movie. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we watched for today's episode, both Home Alone and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Yes. Uh, I watched these two movies with my kids who thought they were the funniest things they had ever seen, which was like truly delightful. Because mm-hmm. I think these movies offer something for the eight-year-old and for their 34-year-old mother who's watching it how many years later. Uh, what did you get out of it on you know, this watching as an adult? Yeah, I, I don't think I had seen these either of these movies in 20 years. Um, first of all, it's funny how much I remembered. Like I was like <laughs> quoting the movies as they went because it's, it's, these are the, one of those movies that like I saw so many times as a kid that it's like a part of me yeah. forever. Um, I thought I was going to go back and rewatch it and be like, oh, this is really hokey, but I can see why I liked it as a kid. I loved it. Like (laughs) my rewatches, I was just like, these are great films. Like obviously there are aspects of them that are so ridiculous, which we will get into. For example, the back third of both movies are a child murdering two adults over and over again. And it is wild that that was something that we were able to watch ever. Um, So yes, like there are a lot of ridiculous things, but like Macaulay Culkin, pitch perfect. Um, Catherine O'Hara, pitch perfect. Like the writing is clever. It's funny. John Candy makes an appearance in in the first one. And I just, I almost started crying when he came onto the screen because I was like so happy to see him. Like it's just, these movies are so lovely to me. What what did you think rewatching? I mean, I... I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the performances in this. I don't think I had ever actually listened to the dialogue between um, Catherine O'Hara and John Candy and they're sitting in the back of the van. Like the funniest conversation that's ever been in a movie about him leaving his child in a funeral parlor. Just so funny. And there's like moments like the Santa Claus trying to start his car, his crappy old car and the car dying that are just not necessary, but funny. You know, like it's, it knows its audience is smart. I think that's in part because it was a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of that, like adults don't know what they're talking about. Kids rule John Hughes aspect of it, but also the adults in this are 
pretty great. I yeah. tune out during like the booby trap parts. I, yeah. I, they're, I don't, they're not for me. Like they're just, yeah. I don't enjoy watching people get hurt, even if they are burglars. It's like if someone had just explained the concept of insurance yeah. to Macaulay Culkin, you know, a lot of problems could have been solved. He could have just not been home while they were there. It would have been fine. They would have got a check in the mail. Like, it wasn't necessary. Yeah. But as an eight-year-old, how fun is it to watch? Yeah. I, you know, as a kid, I thought those parts were so funny. As an adult, it's painful to watch. Like yeah. almost every single thing he does to them, I'm like, they'd be dead. They'd be dead. You Especially the second the ones. Yeah. You when he throws the bricks and hits Harry in the head from like a four-story building like several times with these big bricks and you text me and you're like, he'd be dead on the first brick. I was like, I literally, Skylar and I were watching it. And when the first brick hit him, we're like, this is the, this is game over. Like the movie should end here. (laughs) (laughs) There's a part where he swings down a giant lead pipe and like those, you don't survive that. Like a lead pipe hitting you in the head. That's you're dead. You are dead. And not just hitting in the head, it knocks them off of the stairs through the floor all the way down to the concrete basement floor where they land like on their heads basically and it's like no they're not getting up from that yeah like no wonder everyone our age was like had broken legs all the time they watched home alone and they were like i can jump four stories from the roof onto the grass i'll be fine harry and marv survived why yeah. can't I? Yeah. That that said, I want to, speaking of performances, I love Joe Pesci and I oh. had forgotten how incredible he is in these movies. Like he really, I, I think that his sort of ridiculous criminal like presence sells a lot of that back third because it could get very dark very quickly. But Joe Pesci is just like so great on screen that you forget that this child is torturing two like adults and it's it's yeah. just like fun to see him in this i think it's joe pesci and more stuff it's pretty wild that our and i mean i speak for myself but i assume also your introduction to him was the home alone movies when he mm-hmm. was like a big gangster movie presence and it's pretty wild that he's in these movies at yeah. all these these came out right around the time as my cousin Vinny, and um so I don't know. When this... was Goodfellas? I don't know. Let me look I think Goodfellas up. might have been uh, just right before. There's a Nin- lot of yeah, funny. Yeah, 90, right before. There's a lot of funny stories about him on set. Um, he, he doesn't know how to not swear. And so they had to like really kind of retrain the way he talks. So there's like, frick, 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 you know, <laughs> like they had to like give him other things to say than like the muttering of F-bombs he would just do on impulse. Yeah, um, and apparently yeah. he was really, really hard to work with, and yet they he did a sequel. So he's I, yeah. Well, I mean, he was he he just did it so well. He so my cousin Vinny came out the same year as the second Home Alone. So okay. I don't know if he was like getting into the comedy game for a minute and was just like, yeah, let's give this a try and see how it goes. But I mean, obviously, this is a great stretch for Joe Pesci. Like, oh yeah. Both Home Alone movies were huge hits. My Cousin Vinny, obviously a huge hit. Academy Award winning film. And so like, yeah, it was a great time for him. And yes, like this was our introduction to Joe Pesci. Yeah. For, for a decade and a half, 
I only knew him as the criminal on Home Alone. Right, you know? right. And I actually, I think he's really good in The Irishman. I have very mixed feelings mm-hmm. about that movie, but I thought he was the best part by far. Like I thought he was yes. the strongest performance. Yes. So, but yeah, the wild that people our age are like, oh, it's Joe Pesci from Home Alone when it's like Joe Pesci who is terrifying in Goodfellas, yeah. you know, but we're like, he's the guy in the movie about the kid. Yeah. Um, I have, other than the insurance thing, I have a big issue with the plot of this movie. The first one in particular. Spoiler alert. He has set up all these booby traps for Harry and Marv, right? And he's all but defeated them until they catch him by surprise in the basement. And they come up to hang him on the door. And in walks neighbor, Mr. Morley, I believe, who knocks them both out with a shovel. Okay, cut to... Kevin sitting alone in his family room on Christmas Eve, which implies that the old man came in, knocked out Harry and Marv, sent them on their way, and then was like, all right, peace out, Kevin. You're going to stay here tonight by yourself, home alone still. I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave. Like, wouldn't you as an adult be like, you know what, let's make sure there's an adult here with you tonight. Okay, I developed um, a very dark backstory for Morley to explain his behaviors. I think because, so Kevin sees him in the church and they sit down and he's like, I'm not allowed to see my granddaughter and my son and I had this big fight and whatever else. And I think that maybe he is a child predator. And Mm -hmm. that's why he can't like (laughs) call the police and be like, hey, I'm helping the kid because he's not supposed to be around kids. That's why he's not supposed to be around his granddaughter. Like he never explains. Oh, it's pretty dark, Eli. (laughs) I'm sorry to go there, but I was watching it the other night and Kevin's sitting in the pews with him and he's like, why don't you just like apologize to your son and then you can see your granddaughter again. And I was like, we don't know what the fight was about. And like, maybe it's good that these people have ostracized grandpa. I'm just... So, I also, I think it's pretty funny that the message of both these movies are like, you know that scary stranger? Go ahead and talk to them. They're yeah. probably fine. <laughs> they it's, probably it's, have delicious candy. It's it's funny to me because so Mar- Marley or Morley or whatever his name is, is the guy in the first one. And the second one is obviously the bird woman in New York. Yeah. And it's so funny how beat for beat they're just like let's just recreate the first movie because it did so well so like you and i have talked about how like sister act one and sister act two are like completely different movies where they kind of like got rid of the thing that worked in sister act one and it was like what you know singing nuns like that's why people saw this why don't we have singing nuns (laughs) but like home alone did not make that mistake they like there are the identical like plots happen back to back. And, you know, he, he has like the person that he's scared of Marley in the first one, bird feeder woman in the second one, until he finally sits down and has a conversation with them where he shares life advice about how they can improve too. And then suddenly they're okay. And then they help him in the end as he's like booby trapping the criminals, you know, the family obviously leaving him or forgetting him for their Christmas vacation, which why is this family traveling every year over Christmas? Like, okay. We'll get to that. Home. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but it's I it, like the thing is though this is not a criticism. I think it was smart of them to just be like, let's just redo the first movie. Okay, switch up a couple things. Here's the thing: I was really enjoying the second one 
uh, with just like Kevin hanging out in the hotel and exploring New York. I was like, this is yeah. great. And then I remembered that he has to like defeat the bad guys. And I was like, let's just cut that part out. Let's just yeah. have it be. Kevin stays in the Plaza Hotel until Tim Curry figures it out and then his parents show up. Like, that. that's fine. We yeah. don't need the insane violence at the end of the movie where he should be going to prison for a very long time because he murdered those people 90 times over. Uh-huh. Like, I, I actually prefer the second one. I think the hotel stuff is super fun. I think yeah. Tim Curry really brings that movie to life. Yeah. You know, of course, Donald Trump isn't, we don't have to really get into it. It was super weird to yeah. see like 90s Donald Trump in this movie and be like, oh yeah, he was like a New York guy. Like yeah. that was his whole thing was I'm a rich New Yorker. I will say the parents in the second one should be more worried than they are. Yeah. Yeah. In the first one, I feel like their response is appropriate and they're mm-hmm. clearly doing everything they can to find Kevin. In the second one, the part where they start laughing in the police station and yep. they're looking at him, I'm like, no, that guy's right. Like, you guys are psychopaths. You have no idea where your child is. Yeah. Yeah. But- it's horrifying. And yeah. like, the, yeah, the fact that, like, the stakes are so much higher in the second one. In the first one, it's literally just our kid is at the house by himself. We know where he is. It's a yeah. safe environment, but he's there by himself and he's too young we think, to be there by himself for an extended period. The second one is our kid ended up somewhere in the United States of America, and we don't know where that is. Yeah. And, and then when they find out he's like just wandering New York City, like, I don't know if I, could, if I could process that as a parent. And so, yeah, I agree. Like, it is a little bit, I, I don't think the movie quite contemplates or understands like how big the stakes are in the second one. And yeah. maybe you just can't, if you're going to make a movie like this, it just needs to be like lighthearted and funny. So you just can't acknowledge that it's horrifying for this kid. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Still like the movie. Um, you texted me to say that Uncle Frank and Buzz are the real <sighs> villains. Uncle Frank is the worst. I hate Uncle Frank so much. Would you ever let your brother talk to your kid the way he talks to Kevin? Absolutely not. And like the way he laughs when after Buzz humiliates Kevin at the school performance and Uncle Frank's like, that's pretty great. Like, no, it wasn't great. It was very sad. Like, Frank, get it together. You're an adult man, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do. I did like and I had totally forgotten this line from the first one, or I think it's the second one. I can't remember where Kevin's like, I can't go into the bathroom because Uncle Frank is taking a shower. And he said, if I go in there and see him naked, I'll never feel like a real man, whatever that <laughs> means. And Catherine O'Hara and what's his name? The husband just like exchanged. And they're like, just go in there and get your thing, but keep your eyes closed. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. And again, they're like, they're writing for children, but they're also writing for the children's parents, which is what they, good kids movies should do. That's right. And that line was not too much for me to hear as a kid because I didn't understand it. Totally. And so yeah. it was just like, oh, the uncle doesn't want to see him naked, you know? And I'm like, you know, as a kid, that's funny to me. But as an adult hearing that line, I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Like if, if I found out one of my siblings said that to my kid, like it would be pretty funny. It would be, pretty, it would be hilarious. And your kid would have no idea like you said um last winter remember when we like would leave our houses so we'd get sick i got sick 
And I had like a day in bed. And for some reason, I ended up watching like a behind the scenes of Home Alone that was available on Netflix just by chance. I learned a lot of really interesting things about this movie. Uh, It almost didn't get made. Like it was being passed around from studio to studio and like no one really wanted it. I think it was Warner. No, it was 20th Century Fox who eventually picked it up. But there was like a week or two where they're like, we just don't know what's going to happen with this thing. Um, And then, of course, it was like a massive success to everyone's Mm -hmm. surprise. Um, The inside of the house is actually a school gym. They found a school in Chicago, I think an abandoned school, and built the interior of the house, which if you're paying attention, that house is unhinged. Every detail is red or green. Like every room is a Christmas themed room because Chris Columbus loves Christmas so much. Huh. Wow. It's like the most 90s red and green um interior decor it's really crazy there's also they have like all the school pictures on the wall but there's also one of Catherine o'hare and john hurt like which is like super weird that the parents would put their school photos on the wall um yeah yeah i think this movie holds up great yeah you know that they're doing a remake did you hear i don't think that's a good idea why would they do that okay but listen they, so I heard they were doing it and I agree and I, I'm very nervous about it, but then I heard who's going to be in it. So the kid that they got, which I was like, Macaulay Culkin cannot, you can never find no. a kid that I could, but guess what kid they got? It's the kid from Jojo Rabbit, which is like an incredibly cute kid. And guess is he American? Playing? I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know anything about him. He doesn't, if he's not, he does that accent very well in Jojo Rabbit. Um, and the mom I heard that they got is Ellie Kemper, oh. which I think is very interesting. I love Ellie Kemper. Okay. Th- That's either going to be really great or really bad. So my, my worry is that they are not going to understand what made the originals um, work so well, which is smart writing. And I'm, yeah. I'm worried that they're gonna, it's going to be even more slapsticky and like more loud and more yelly. Because I feel like, at least my experience, you have way more experience with current current children's movies, but I feel like that's what kids' movies are now, is they're just very, like, bubblegum, like, brightly colored, loud, you know, screaming and whatever else. And I don't know if, like, we just don't really make quote-unquote family films anymore that are intended to, like, appeal to an entire family. And now films tend to be a lot more like they're either for kids or they're for adults. And so I'm worried that they're not going to make this as sort of like that classic family film that I think makes Home Alone stand the test of time so well. But I'm very intrigued by these um, casting choices, if that's what they end up being. Yeah, I I also, as I was watching it, I kept thinking, you can't make this movie now because everyone has cell phones now. You know, a lot of this movie relies on people are hard to get a hold of. And so it was really hard to get a hold of someone who could go check on Kevin. I just, I I guess I'm interested to see how they work around that. Also, I feel like if you made that movie now about leaving your kid at home, it would hit different than it did in what, 91? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know what? I just let me make a correction and I'm actually still excited about this. It's not the kid who starred in Jojo Rabbit. It's his like chubby friend who oh, is that's also, even better. Yeah, actually, I think that might even be a better casting. Archie Yates. And yeah, Ellie Kemper has confirmed 
Rob Delaney's playing the dad. Oh, he's great too. Yeah. Okay. So I, oh, maybe right. it'll be fine. We'll see. But I'm, I'm really, really curious about it. It's been delayed because of uh, COVID. So um, it's, it'll be a theatrical release. It looks like it's going to be a theatrical release. I think we're probably not going to see it till next, probably next year. Okay. Interesting. Well, it'll be hard to top Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, but yeah. anything's possible. Yeah. So. Any other thoughts on uh, these Christmas classics? Um, I don't think so, but do watch them again, especially if your kids have not seen them before. Like you had a great experience watching these with your kids. Oh, for so sure. The fact that they like do well in 2020, you know, great. Watch yeah, them. Yeah, they're classic. They're Macaul- very classic. Macaulay Culkin is perfect in these movies. He is the cutest freaking kid I've ever seen. And I was like, as somebody who is allergic to child actors, I was honestly so impressed with how fun he was to watch in these movies. Yeah, I remember going to see this with my parents and I was like, that kid's my peer and look what he can do. You know, it was like inspiring that this eight-year-old was on screen being a movie star and doing it so well. So thanks, Macaulay, wherever you are. (laughs) Um, Next week, we are going to cover Elf because of course we are. How can we not, you know? this Christmas season. So we will be back then. In the meantime, please remember to subscribe to the HiveMind newsletter at hivemind.substack.com. Become a member of the Beehive on the membership page of thebeehive.com. And please leave us a good rating and review if you are so inclined. It helps us to become more visible on podcast platforms. And thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. We need Macaulay Culkin to die in peace.